0: Yes, boys and girls, episode 182 with Rhonda Cat is about to begin. And Rhonda is a very good friend of mine that I've known over the years because of conferences. Who would have thought networking actually works? She lives in beautiful British Columbia, same province that I'm from, but a little bit further in in a town called Vernon, which is another amazing place in BC that everyone listening should go visit, and we get into some deep, deep stuff about death and grief, and is the topic I really wanted Ron to get into because she has a touching story of why she speaks about the topic of death, and why heart disease should be on people's minds a little bit more than other major killers of the human body because you never know someone you know close to you could be dealing with something and we need to better educate ourselves with the information out there in the world Um, so without further ado here's Rhonda hopefully you enjoyed as much as I did Hello boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your lovely host, Rafal Matuszewski, and joining me is a celebrity in the fitness industry, Rhonda. Say hello.
1: Hello, but I would ixnay the celebrity part.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Um, So I always like to start the show with some easy lobbying questions. So first easy question, what is the current book you're reading?
1: Oh, you know what I just got? The, it, like, And Dewey would be so proud of me. I um, I ended up ordering this, the Sapiens uh, sapiens from um, Amazon. Ooh, and, well, nice. I'll just be real here. I, I actually got all three of them. But, <laughs> all three. There you go. Yeah, and it's, it'll probably take me over a year to read all three of them. But I'm like, screw that, man. I'm going to get that sucker, and I'm going to read it to the bitter end. <laughs> so I just started it. I just started it.
0: All right. How many books a year do you usually read, if you can count?
1: Well, if I can count, <laughs> count well. them, yeah. Okay, no. Um, see, I'm really, really bad because I, I love books and I'll, or, I'll like order them nonstop and then I read half and then I go to another one and then I go back and then I go to another one. I, I'm really bad at actually finishing, so I might do like half a book, and then I'll get squirreled. Or if I get to a point in the book where I'm like, okay, this is losing me or it's boring, I'm gone. And then I'll grab another book. So I'm literally on the go with like maybe 10 or 15 or 20 books a year. Wow. So uh, this, I've, I told myself I need, to get, I need to get my shit together and I just need to finish this book. So I'm, in, in honor of Dewey, I am doing these three books. I'm going to read go. them. Yeah, I'm the type of
0: person where I have to have one book at a time, and like, I can get to the point in the book where it's so boring, and I'm getting angry that it's not interesting, and I'm so stubborn that I have to finish it because I just don't like unfinished books.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's very good. So you don't have a squirrel brain. Yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, so second easy question, what was the last YouTube or Facebook video you watched or Instagram?
1: oh yeah um, you
0: have to think for this one
1: that that's not an easy question because i actually don't remember i don't know what did i hmm. i don't know and maybe that's actually bad because maybe i'm watching too much maybe i'm just because i don't remember i honestly i don't i I don't know i don't remember
0: all right fair enough how about this one latest tv series or movie you watched
1: um, I don't watch movies because they're way too long. I'm more of a TV series person. Okay. And I, and I watched The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix in about a couple days because I love shit like that. And now I'm choked because I'm like, well, now what do I watch? So it was amazing. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, I've been seeing that a lot popping up on social and people have been talking about it. Like, what? what's that whole thing? Am I going to shit my pants watching this? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, if you're not a whim, no, it's just I mean exactly what it says, right? It's about this family that lives in this house and it's haunted, and it's it's basically they're in adulthood and it keeps cut going back to their youth and the stuff that happened in the house. It's 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 actually very interesting. And I am a snob when it comes to series. Like if if they don't if it doesn't catch me, maybe it's not the snob. It's because I again I have a squirrel brain. If it doesn't catch me right away, I'm gone. I'm off it. I'm on to something else. And this one hooked me right from the. Right from the beginning. So it's worth it. It's worth watching if you like that kind of stuff. Okay.
0: I'm happy you brought this up because this is going to air on Halloween. So I think the next question has to be, what's your favorite Halloween movie?
1: My favorite Halloween movie... Well, hmm, because I, I I love horror movies, but they are all so stupid and so lame. Because yeah. I will be that person that's like, oh yeah, like that's real, you know. <laughs> so I yeah, I think you got to go back to the old school like Halloween yes. and Friday the Thirteenth yeah. when you were actually younger and you watched them and they actually freaked you out. And now as an adult, you expect so much that they actually aren't really freaky or scary. They're actually stupid, but yeah. So. Halloween! I yeah, Let's just go with Halloween. There
0: you go. Um, so, to get this thing started, let's do a little intro of who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry.
1: Um, okay, well, it's, oof, so, um, obviously my name, Rhonda Cat. So I've been, my business is in Vernon, B.C., been in the industry since the early 90s, so it's been a, a long time. Um, the you know, I, I guess I've always been a hockey girl. It's it's more so, um, I guess, more athletic based, right? So, but it's it's really my focus has always been hockey. Okay, fair Did enough. Did you cut out?
0: Did no, you cut out then? I'm uh-huh. I'm still here.
1: Okay, I heard a big click, so I was like, oh, well, here we go.
0: It's starting. <laughs> it's starting. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, how did you get into it in the first place? Like, what kind of drove you into the fitness and health world? Like, you were like, "This is for me. I'm going to become a coach."
1: Yeah, because um, I've I, I've always enjoyed enjoyed sports. I've always been athletic, and I think everybody who gets into this world is that person, right? They. They like to play sports. They like to be active. But I actually wanted to be a PE teacher because I just, at the time, that's what I knew. That's all I knew. I didn't know that you could be a trainer. It just wasn't something that you did back then. Um, And it was only from me actually being active in a gym, me training, me working out and seeing just that environment. And it's such a lame story, but that is, that's what I, that's how I got involved. I, I didn't know any better. And I didn't even at the time, I didn't even have people in my life that did that, that that could tell me what to do. So I was asking, like, gym owners and stuff, like, what, what do you do? What do I do? How do I do this? So it, it's definitely, I feel like the industry is amazing right now. Like, it's changed so much. Um, but I'm definitely dating myself. I'm aging myself.
0: <laughs> um, so did you grow up playing hockey, like
1: no i was a basketball girl okay. so i yeah and actually when i grew up it was definitely not the norm like you girls did not play hockey that just wasn't i mean ringette didn't exist none of that yes. was an option so it was actually you know soccer played soccer basketball but basketball was i lived and breathed basketball and then it just i don't even remember like i've all, i always loved hockey but i think it was that person from um like at the time, I didn't. I didn't start playing hockey until I was in my early twenties. So, and I'm going to be 47. So, it's all of my teenage years was just loving the sport, but not having the opportunity to play it. So, yeah, it was. Uh, now I don't even play basketball. So.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Oh, did you like grow up in Vernon and just stayed there the entire time?
1: Yeah. Well, okay. I live in Lumbee. I grew up in Lumbee, yeah. yeah. Businesses in Vernon. It's I consider it all one place. Yeah. Really, it's like 20 minutes away. Yeah.
0: Okay. So when you started playing hockey, was that like tough to even find a women's team? Because, like no, I, no, no okay. no
1: nope, not here. it was it was a big deal. Lots of females were playing. They wanted to play. And you know, we have our own league. There's, it's 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 great. It's great here. It's popular. There's lots of lots of options.
0: Awesome. Yeah, like, honestly, I enjoy women's hockey better than men's. Like, anytime we have the Olympics, I'm so fired up for women's hockey because, like, I don't know what it is. But you guys just have more competitiveness, you know what I mean? Where, like, guys tend to have this, like, ego that they think they're just better than everybody, whereas just, like, I think women's hockey, they're just focused on so much on their skill and competitiveness that it just makes the game a little bit better. I don't know if that's just me.
1: Hmm. Well, I think it might just be you because that, that, that's, that's awesome. I've never heard anybody say that, but
0: oh, there it's you no go. matter
1: what. It's 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 hockey. I'm gonna watch it anyways. So
0: oh, fair enough. Um, so, what, at what point did you like decide to go into business for yourself? Like, did you first like go into a big box gym, or were you just like, screw it, I'm just gonna start my own?
1: Yeah, I was actually no, in a, Yeah, in a big box gym for. Probably 20 years, like it was a long time, and that was my life. I was never going to be that a gym owner. I was, I was like hell bent about not owning my own gym, and I, I had my, I think I had my second child, and then I start. That's when, when more group, kind of training was starting to, mm-hmm. to happen instead of the private training, and I started to kind of get into that to literally be home with my kids more and i don't know why i don't honestly don't even know why i would just i was like hmm i should find a space to rent and and just kind of like a small area and go from there and the only reason i actually opened my own space was because at the time i knew of somebody else that was thinking about owning her own facility and, and she kind of wanted the same thing and i thought well this is silly we sh- we can't open our our separate space let's go into business together and that's kind of what happened And yeah, something I thought I would never do. And I actually, I love it.
0: Awesome. And I'm really excited to chat with you because you recently just moved into this huge facility. It's like just amazing. And if anybody hasn't seen it, they need to follow you on Facebook and look at those photos. But what was the like process between going from your old gym to this new giant facility with an ice rink in it and kind of talk about the transition phase.
1: Well, the old space, we were in there for a little over seven years. So in the nice thing is we basically worked out all the kinks. So when we transferred to this new facility, it was like we knew what worked and what didn't work so just the business aspect we were able to walk into this and go no this is this is how the business is being run and cuz we i mean the old space it was at the time completely brand new you're trying to be everything to everyone which is the biggest mistake a business owner can make um, and the actual facility was always the the dream facility that I had wanted right when I got to that point of this is what I want to be a uh, business owner But it was never that space was never around at the time. Um, So as as weird as it sounds, because we were in that old facility for seven years, the transition business-wise has been super easy, other than moving equipment. (laughs) (laughs) And because we are in a facility that is a um, has a rink in it, the amount of people that are driven to that space, that walk in that space, that see us, it's like the the most – it's free advertising. It's unreal the amount of energy and people that are in that facility that come through the doors. And then we just happen to be right there.
0: Oh, fair enough. So
1: it, I think that's – it just – everything just seems easier.
0: Yeah. So probably a lot of people are wondering why the hell do you have an ice rink in your gym? So maybe you can, like, explain to some of the clients that you train and the groups that you train.
1: Yeah. Well, we're just it's, – it's an actual um, – Arena, and they just twinned a second ice sheet, right? So our junior A team, our Vernon Vipers, that's the main ice rink in Vernon, and then they um, they built a second ice rink. And so what they added on was was business space. So there's actually a two le- two levels of um, business opportunity, right? So we were on that right from the very beginning that we wanted that that space because I do so much. Uh, hockey players, right? Like, I'm, I'm working so much with hockey athletes. it was always been a struggle in the summer for them to find ice. And, and now we have that ability to plan their whole summer training where they now train and they just have to walk downstairs. And it's not all about hockey. It's just, I mean, there's two legs of our business, general fitness population and athletes. But the draw, because there is such a big hockey potential, the draw now is just quite substantial because we do have access to ice and it's part of part of our, our business, right?
0: Yeah. Can you, okay, this is actually really cool. Cause I don't think I've had a coach on here that trains hockey players like that on that kind of scale. But can you maybe talk about like some of the limitations you see in hockey athletes? Cause I don't think, you know, a lot of coaches out there who've maybe never experienced a hockey player in front of them, maybe talk about where they're limited and what they need to work on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, everybody that trains uh, hockey athletes is going to say the exact same thing, right? Obviously, obviously, hips and hips, especially because it's, um, and I'm talking mobility is, is because it really, when you look at skating, the the um, the actual mechanics of it is not the most natural thing for the hip. Uh, So there, and it's just repetitive over and over and over again. So there's hips are always number one. And I don't know one of my my athletes that I work with, even the team, uh, that s- says to me, oh, yeah, I have great hip mobility. No, no, that's <laughs> it's a huge issue. Um, and just like I think the general fitness population, ankles become an issue, um, just mobility through the ankles, and they're stuck in a boot all the time. Um, and because it's a contact game, shoulders take a hit. So, I mean, you can't... You're not going to stop a a major shoulder issue or sorry, injury because of the contact in that sport. Um, So you're going to be dealing with a hell of a lot of players that are coming to you with, with AC joint issues and, you know, like uh, separated this or broke this. And so you, I find that, that pretty much 99% of, of athletes who play hockey You're always going to fall back to a specific general, um, you know, mobility or if it's, I think, any repetitive sport, right? Mm -hmm. You're always going to run into those same same issues. And it's not so much even just pro, right? You're going to get even youth athletes because everybody is friggin' playing hockey and skating too much. They're Mm -hmm. skating all year long, so you're getting the same issues happening with a youth athlete. You know, let's these kids that just don't have the strength or the capacity to do that, and they're skating continually. They're they're now running into these issues, and that's kind of the a a big red flag because, I mean, if they're getting it now and they plan on playing hockey for how many more years, it's um, in a sense it's 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 kind of scary because some of these things are are ending careers. Yeah. right if it's a hip labrum or or a shoulder like over four times they've dislocated an ac joint or they've had surgery twice or something right so it's it's always always seems to be the same the same issues
0: yeah it's tough like i remember i was training this one girl that was playing really high level uh hockey and she was about 15 or 16 and like she never got a break like all year just like always practicing spring camp summer camp and then on top of that she was doing like dry land training and then she would see me twice a week and then by the time she would like train with me she's like super tired almost couldn't finish workouts and then on top of that because she's a teenager I'm like oh so how much did you eat today she's like oh I kind of ate lunch and I forgot to eat a snack and I'm not going to eat until like tonight at 10 o'clock after practice I'm like Oh, yeah, my God. Exactly. <laughs> like, these I kids know. are burning out, like, really yep. fast.
1: Yeah, and then how much sleep on top of that and females and uh, hormones and growing. Like, it's, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but everybody thinks that more is better, and that's not the case.
0: Um, so, what are the, like, ages of the hockey players that you train on average?
1: I work mostly with... Uh, like midget age, like 15, 16, 17, mm-hmm. up to like junior, and then your pro players. So the youth athletics is run by somebody specific in our facility, in our business. So I pretty much stay at a certain age and upwards.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find like a lot of parents that come in there with their kids? are they almost kind of living through their kids because they didn't make it through their, you know, prime Absolutely. Years? Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: think, I, think, I think every parent is like that in every sport. I don't necessarily think it's hockey. Um, I think we just probably notice it more because we're Canadian, right? And yeah. that's that's our sport, right? Like you don't see a lot of football parents coming in, but you certainly see a lot of hockey parents.
0: Yeah. Do you, like, ever have to have the conversation with – the parents of, like, maybe they're pushing their kids a little too far to the right?
1: Yeah, and also coaches, because you get a lot of them coming in in the season, and it's always the same thing. They need to be more explosive, fast, quick, quick. And I'm like, well, okay, whoa. Like, you know, like we all hear in the industry what bucket is getting filled, and they're getting a hell of a lot of that on the ice. So once you actually pull back and, and explain it in detail I've never had anybody not be receptive to that but I'm I'm also the type of person that is like this is why we're doing what we're doing and you need to accept what we're doing because or else I'm not I'm not training your your kid or I'm not training you I'm not taking you on as a client because ultimately it's their health and it's a risk if they want to put themselves at risk fine but I won't do that as a, as a coach or as a trainer forget it
0: like, how successful have you been with, like, the hockey coaches to kind of, you know, educate them that, you know, more is not better. Like, we actually have to take a couple steps back for them to recover, and then you'll see that, you know, power and explosiveness that you want.
1: Well, people I have spoken to have been receptive, but I think, you know, I, I think it actually comes down to not so much co- coaches. It's a lot of associations. So if they are only... Able to have so much ice for practices, mm-hmm. then they're looking at what we can offer their athletes or their teams off ice, and they're saying, "Well, I, I only have, you know, what I mean, like they, they're not willing to, they're not willing to give up. Yeah, they're not willing to give that up. And I think also a lot of parents aren't willing to give the actual specific, the sports specific, or the ice time up because." It's. I think there's lots, of, still lots of education just in the whole masses, like yeah. just out. Yeah, it's because if you give, a, it's just like even soccer. You take them off the field, then they're thinking, whoa, whoa wait a second, I'm not going to be a better soccer player because you're now taking me off of those sports-specific drills. So there's still a lot of education that needs to be gained.
0: Yeah, like I remember I used to train a, a Paralympic swimmer, and he would only compete in 50 meters or 100. And when I was chatting with his coach and also the swimmer, I quickly found out that he'd spend on average 25 hours a week in the pool. I'm like, holy shit! Like, yeah. How <laughs> are you functioning? And then yeah, exactly. Like to a certain point of his career, he started like you could just see the overtraining like kick into effect. And then when he actually made it to London, the Olympics. He won a silver in the 50 meter free, and then during his warm up like laps in the pool for his second event, he actually tore his rotator cuff. And I was just like, "God oh, damn it!" Word. Like it was just oh. so much volume. And I'm like, I've been yeah. like hammering this information to his coach, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it totally makes sense." And then it's like, I talk to the athlete. And I'm like, "Oh, so how was practice today?" "Oh, I swam for three hours." I'm like, "Awesome!" <laughs> like. I, it's tough when you have people that are kind of like old school coaches, like, you, yes. know, you know, oh, yes. you didn't compete well enough. We're just going to hammer out laps like crazy tomorrow. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And everybody's still stuck on the specific movement. If it looks like the movement, then, it's, then that's what we have to do, right? So yeah. swim, you got to swim, 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 swim.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So I want to switch gears because we're like, I know this is, we're going to talk about this a lot and I like really want you to hammer this in into this episode, but I want to bring up heart disease. You have a really interesting and like moving story about this and your message needs to be heard a lot more. So let's let's deep dive into this, kind of start from the beginning and why you feel that heart disease
1: awareness is important. Um. So my husband in 2015 died of a massive heart attack, so what they call the Widowmaker. So uh, he had just turned 46. It was a couple weeks after his 46th birthday. And so since then I have created a awareness campaign called Peter's Story, and it's really just about his experience and what his symptoms were and trying to raise more awareness for heart disease and heart attacks. And, um I think, you know, my biggest thing is it's, it is our number one killer, yet we hear so much marketing about cancer and so much money is raised about cancer. And I'm not pleased, I don't want to offend anybody, but when our number one killer is heart disease, cardiovascular disease, right? And heart attacks. And it's just a non-issue. Like, it's just not talked about. Um and I do blame a lot of that on just the traditional marketing that's out there. So with Peter, he he has, was always active. He grew up very active, very healthy guy, and he was a non-smoker, he was very active. there was no family history. he did not he had a very healthy adult weight. So he was the guy that you thought was going to live a very long life. So nobody, you're going to look at that and, and never associate a heart attack to, to somebody like Peter. Um, so after the fact, I, for me, I, it was also a shock because I thought he was going to outlive me, you know? He, we're going to grow old together, and uh, it, that was always the joke, right? Like, yeah, I'm going to die first, you're going to outlive me. And um, I think even being in the strength and conditioning industry, there's that false sense of invincibility. And we both had that. And I think that's another thing is just changing that mindset um, that it's not going to happen to me. And if you're very, very active and you're healthy and you're doing what you're supposed to do, and especially if there's no family history, right? Like you just don't mm-hmm. think about it. It's it's never an issue. Um, so it's been a huge wake-up call for me and a slap in the face. And you, I mean, I go through life now and I'm thinking, holy crap, I knew all of those signs to a sense right like i kind of i mean some of them i look back and go whoa um but you you there is a huge sense of failure definitely um because not only should i have known better but it uh that that has also kind of just helped propel this message so there's there's a lot of damn it i screwed up and well you know what i need to save somebody else's life because if there's, you know, if we can talk about it, then I know one person at least from this podcast is going to say to somebody else, Hey, you know what? You were talking about this symptom the other day. Well, um, there's the one thing about the strength and conditioning industry that I think we're failing at is we are so much about performance based. Yes, I get it. Fat loss based. Yes, I get it. And there's so much talk about, Being good at the basics and simplifying things and keeping things simple, but I don't hear that, or we don't don't shout that loud enough for for heart health and for aerobic capacity and and what you need to do to train the heart. I don't hear that enough, and that's, I don't, I don't. It drives me bonkers. So I mean, at least for me, I'm just trying to educate all all of my clients as much as possible. And I may have pro athletes, and and they have to train a certain way, but I am always always telling them, look, you guys. This is why the heart. In order to do what you want to do, you need to have this. You need to have this foundation, and your ha- your heart needs to be able to be strong enough to 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 pump out efficiently. But I mean, is it just me? Do you do you hear that message? I don't hear the message loud and strong enough in our industry.
0: No, like not at all. Like like you said, like a lot of marketing dollars is towards cancer. Like you look at the Ride to Conquer Cancer, how much money they raise every single year for that ride. But um, I think, first of all, it's, like, it's so amazing how open you are about this. Because I remember, like, the first time I met you, you told me. I was like, oh, okay. Like, it almost t- took me back that you were so open and, like, free, willing to chat about it. Because mm-hmm. I would assume that most people who have, like, someone they really, really love pass away. It's like they would almost want to c- like kind of, like, put themselves into this hole and kind of block yep. out the world. So I'm also yep. kind of curious, like in those first couple months, like what was going through your head and like, how did you get to the point where you are now where you're just like, Oh yeah, I can totally talk about it. No problem.
1: Well, I think the only reason I'm like that is because I'm a stubborn bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, like I have never been the follower, right? If I don't want to do something, I'm not doing it. But what was, what really got me is because I remember writing an article literally probably one month after he died and it was only because i'm so passionate about teaching other people and learning myself and i was like i need people to know what happened because if i would have been on the receiving end he would not be dead he would be alive right now and i'm and be, because i think i'm so stubborn that's why i may get in people's face or if if or i'm willing to talk about it and i think even if you kind of tie in um I just think society has a has a a problem with even just talking about death and grief. So that's a different podcast, but it is um it needs to we need to be able to talk about that kind of shit. Yeah. So but but people talk about you know I'm going to say the C word again, people talk about cancer, but nobody really I don't know. I just there's too much to, more to learn. I think that's the biggest thing. So oh, if I'm going to be one of those people that's going to get in people's face, then so be it. And that, I mean, that's one way to to keep Peter's name out there because he's, it's basically like he's standing in front of me every single day. So he's he's always there. So if he's not here physically, then I'm going to damn well make sure that everything that he went through and all the signs, I can make sure that everybody else knows because 10, I will know for a fact that somebody will listen and somebody will somebody will be saved. So I always have to remind myself that. Because there's times where I'm like, nobody gives a shit. I'm done. I'm frustrated. And then I get a message. And and then you're like, okay, Rhonda, you need to keep going. You need to keep going.
0: Yeah. So if you had to give, like, you know, heart disease 101 to someone who doesn't really know anything, like, where do you start? Like, what advice do you tell people? Like, what should people know?
1: Well, do you mean just symptoms? Yeah, let's go with yeah. that. Yeah. Well, okay, I guess I. The, what I would say first off is is what Peter experienced and I'll, I'll go back to traditional marketing right because everybody thinks it's just the same you're gonna have um, you're gonna if you're gonna have a heart attack it's you clutch your chest you have arm pain mm-hmm. or like it's very cloudy and I think one concern with that is a lot of symptoms could also mean other things and so that is probably why the medical world is kind of a little bit apprehensive about hammering home specific symptoms, because what if it actually is a different issue? But I can't go with that. I have to go with what Peter experienced and what I saw, because it's important to get out there. And his his symptoms were um, like the the first symptom I remember happening, and the longest, which was two years before he died, was he had suffered or he had complained just about his legs aching. So I would make sure I tell everybody that it was never an ache that you could really hit or you couldn't stretch it or you couldn't feel like you could help it. It was a very, very deep ache and that traveled up to his thighs. And so the summer before he died, it was, it was really bothering him. And then it wasn't only until that time, because every other time I was like, Oh, good go roll, go to your physio. It's got to be, you know, you, I always had a fitness reason for everything that he was experiencing. And when he, when he started to explaining that or describing those symptoms to me, that's when I actually, in my head, I started thinking, something's not right. But I, then, right away, I'd be like, Rhonda, in my head, don't, you're so stupid. Don't You're thinking negatively. Don't be so negative. He's fine. He's healthy. It's Peter. He's strong. He's okay. Right? So that was kind of the first thing. And then his... Fatigue, which is, again, another huge red flag, was so extreme. And people should understand, right, there's a difference between, oh, yeah, I'm tired or had a hard day to so exhausted and fatigued that you you cannot stay awake. You can't keep your eyes open. So drastic that, you know, you're going, what is wrong with you? So we just blamed his 12-hour work days and we blamed his is increased fatigue on his lack of activity, but his lack of activity was because his heart was like, I can't do this anymore, dude. Like you need to do something. Right. But we didn't know. Um, and then, I mean, the, the last few, right. Like he, he had very extreme heartburn the night he died and that was from playing a game of hockey. And he had some episodes of, of chest pain. And those were, not in the like they were so in the back of our mind that it was just having to do with a new a new um mountain bike ride like a different trail or or a different run like we never we always had a reason but it always related to exercise it was never it was never whoa there's something deeper going because i mean you're probably saying well chest pain is quite a a red flag. It's a pretty easy sign, but not to somebody who is super active and who's not like, if he's going to get on a mountain bike and and friggin' ride up a hill and you are like breathing so hard and so challenging, you just, sometimes that mentality is just, Oh, it's just part of the ride or it's part of the run or it's part of the, you know, it's part of the climb. You don't think that it's something else. And that's where the, the, it's not going to happen to me mindset comes in. So he had the biggest thing too with his the night that he died is is we had a two hour window when he woke me up and said hey like I need some rollades a two hour window we we are like 30 minutes away from the hospital so he, if if we would have just clued in and, and went in he would probably still be alive right we he his there would have been a chance but so. You know, don't wait it out. Don't be like, oh, I'll just go for a little nap, or I'll just I'll t- take a Tums, or I'll take an aspirin, or you know, do something now. Because what's the big deal? You go there, you go to the hospital, and you're you're fine, you're okay. It's like two hour window. Like I'm like yeah. that's the shit that I have to I have to deal with for the, every day. Like Rhonda, you screwed up, but but so this is why I guess again, like I said, the message has to get out there because mm-hmm. it makes me feel like I'm now doing something to help.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, maybe for the second last question, because I like again, no one talks about grief. Like, if someone, if you had to give advice to someone that just experienced a loss or trying to get over it, like, what can they do to kind of get out of that space? Or like, is there something they should seek out or someone to seek out? Like, what advice would you give them?
1: Uh, yeah, that you know, it's kind of tough because. Everybody is yeah. different, and I know it's still brutally hard for me. And there's a, there's a, you know, I'm not much of I, which sounds really weird. I'm not a people person. I don't go where there's people. Like if it's work related or if it's sport related, I am a hermit. I'm still, you know, there's lots of anxiety left. There's lots of of emotional shit just to deal with. And the only thing that I honestly think that well that helps me is talking about it, but talking about it in this sense or talking about it with somebody who understands. So, um, you know, there might be another, somebody else might do grief counseling. And for me, that did not work. There was four people that I tried and I just officially just said, I hate it. It doesn't work for me. Um, and people that just don't go through it, don't get it. So I think what the, what the thought of society is, is once someone dies, that people just kind of forget. he's dead. Get over it. That's kind of society. And they don't understand why people are still grieving or they don't understand why people are still living a life and being sad or having days that are really, really shitty. Because, honestly, the person, it's like they are in your face 24-7 from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed. That's all you think about. So that's kind of impossible to all of a sudden be like, oh, now I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm great. Life is wonderful. No, that's, that's the rest of your life. You just become resilient. Every day you become more and more resilient and you just learn to deal with the day and deal with shit because you have to. That's what you do. So that's just, I think the whole grief topic frustrates me because society has, society needs work because nobody talks about death. Nobody does. Well, they, and they don't know what to say. The best thing to do is just to talk about it and ask the person, how is your day going? How, just, because they're not going to make them feel better. The person dead. I mean, let's yeah. think about this, right? So the best thing you can do is say their name and talk about the person.
0: Yeah, I personally think it's like if you've experienced a loss, I don't think you're ever gonna forget it. How like some people just are like oh, just forget about it. it's not it's not gonna yeah. like you know what I mean? But because like I had a friend, like a close friend in high school, commit suicide, and like I constantly think about him. And like most recently, like I've had one of those Facebook memories come up, and like we used to play football together. And a bunch of photos popped up where we were yeah. together, and I'm like, "Fuck, here we go!" Yeah, exactly.
1: Right? Exactly. And there's like
0: a good couple days where I was super down, and yeah, I got better, but it's always in the back of my mind. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough. Like, it's one of those things that I think someone has to deal with for their, their entire life. It's just, yeah.
1: And I think one other thing I th- I, I really want to share is, I was not so much the emotional, mental person before Peter died. I was very, you know, like, let's go, let's run, let's hike, let's do your Spartans, let's do all that stuff. And then, and it's only actually, this is going to be three years, November 3rd, it's really the last little bit where I've had to accept that the amount of of chronic stress that is, is happening to me that I don't recognize is, like, what, how many other people are going on through life, and that's heart health right there, right? Mm-hmm. What kind of stress and inflammation is, is happening that we don't see? So I just want to encourage people. I use an app called WellTory, and it has been mind-blowing because I am looking at this, the my results, and, and it's it's basically saying get your shit together, right? Because your nervous system, like you are, it's red, 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 red. So it's the emotional stress that is is getting to me much more than I think it might be. So the average person who does not use technology, who's not, using a, who's not taking HRV readings, that just thinks they're fine, then that's a person, one, two, five, ten years down, that's the person that's going to have a heart attack. That's the person that could potentially die. So like Peter, again, non-smoker, no family history, what if there's somebody else like that out there but their stress level is ridiculous, and they can't manage it. So, it's—I uh, just think we have to remember we're not invincible either. So, us in the industry, how much are we looking at what we don't see yeah. on the inside? Not only for us, but just reminder your clients what what they don't see—that's what could be killing them.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good place to end, and i got to say thank you for sharing because most people are probably not as open as you. Um, So maybe for the very last question, uh, you can tell the audience where they can find you online, what projects you have coming out, and anything else you want to plug on my show, you can right now.
1: Mm. Um, Well, cat conditioning at... Uh, well let me see cat conditioning I believe is my Instagram or cat conditioning underscore training house so the facility is called the training house Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm I love Instagram because there's no negative crap on it Facebook kind of drives me buggy because I don't know what's real and then there's some sad story about animals and children (laughs) and I'm like oh my god I can't do this (laughs) so I'm more I'm just more of an Instagram person I like to just kind of touch base on Facebook and see what people are doing but I don't post much on there um yeah and then plus we have our own training house vernon uh instagram page so i kind of just that's the place to go and i yeah i just i wouldn't say i'm more of the watcher the looker on and gosh what am i up to not much (laughs) (laughs) nice Just learning and listening and talking to you.
0: (laughs) Perfect. All right. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for your time. This was amazing.
1: Well, thank you. And oh my gosh, we have to like make sure what what next course we're going to, we have to go together (laughs) so we can be partners and laugh all the time.
0: there you go. For sure. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So that's going to wrap up episode 182 with Rhonda. She's amazing. Honestly, she's the best. If you've ever had a chance-to-meter, you'll understand why. Just just a beautiful person inside and out. Um, I'm going to end it there and I'm going to remind every single one of you to share this podcast with your friends and family on every single social platform there is. And again, hit the show notes in this episode and there's a link to add me on Facebook because I post a shit ton of great content in video and written format, not only in audio and keep your eyes out because my ebook is coming together in its final stages, and I'm hoping, hoping that this January coming up, it's gonna be ready. It's gonna be amazing, and it's gonna blow a lot of people's minds. And I can't wait to share it with you. And I hope every single one of you will support me on my first book release. That's it for me. Until next week, you guys, I will keep giving you the best fitness and
1: health advice out there in the world. See you later.